0: Hi, everybody. My name is Kevin McDonald, and the show you're about to listen to is an encore presentation of either Spirit Talk, Positive Talk, or Kevin McDonald Presents. Therefore, the numbers that may be presented on the show are not active at this time, but the content is so good, and I think you'll enjoy them. They're highly entertaining, even if I do say so myself. So with that, thank you very much for listening, and please enjoy the following episode.
1: All right, welcome to the Kevin McDonald Show. Positive talk in the afternoon. I hope everyone is well today. You know, I didn't get to do the tease at the top of the hour, and so nobody knows what we're going to do today. It's, so I guess I'll tell you now. We have Michael Polson, who is an astrologer from Seattle. He is a certified prof- professional astrologer who is an engaging. He's funny. You guys will like. Him. Welcome back to The Kevin McDonald Show, Positive Talk in the Afternoon, and we're sitting here with
2: Michael Polson. Michael, Michael. Hello, hello. Hi, Kevin. How are you? I'm doing very well. I'm really happy to be here. I absolutely love your show. Well, thank you. i you're doing a really good job. Congratulations.
1: Thank you. We're so glad that you're here, because I've been trying to find someone who... Could talk about astrology because for me it's a science that is just it, it's a very important piece. But I have no idea what it is. Right. Well, that's why I'm here. Let's that's talk exactly, about it exactly. And you're also on Conscious Talk. That's right. Sunday nights.
2: Sunday nights. And you can find you now. You're on, the, on what time? Do you usually? Come I'm up? in the second half of the show. The show runs from eight to ten, and usually I pop on around nine o'clock. And we'll do, well, anywhere from 15 to 30 minutes of astrology, talk about what's going on for the week, maybe do some forecasting, sort of talk about the current astrological energies and symbolism of what's going on. So it's a lot of fun. Huh?
1: <laughs> what? I, yeah.
2: <laughs> I don't know any of that stuff.
1: So, Good. so y- we English. need this. so he, ladies and gentlemen, tune in to Conscious Talk on Sunday night mm-hmm. from 8 to 10. Right here. They have a great show. And if you're not doing anything exciting on Sunday night, that would be a wonderful thing to do. Take a bubble bath and listen to the radio. There you go. And have some fun with it. By the way, I want to get the numbers out. If you'd like to give us a call and talk astrology with Michael, you can do it, 425-373-5527. Or our brand new toll-free number for outlining areas, 888-298-5569. Okay.
2: Astrology. Yes. What is it? What is it? You sort of intimated a little bit in where you say it's a science. Some people say astrology is a science. Of course, the scientists would never believe that. You know, they wouldn't agree. <laughs> it's somewhere between a science and an art because it does have both. It has you know, qualities of both. In terms of the science side of things, you know, we, we map out where the planetary locations are. There's geometry. There's a lot of calculations and numbers that go into uh, creating an astrological chart, which some people find a lot more comforting... Than, say, going to a psychic or a tarot reader where the information is just coming out of nowhere. A lot of people like to look at the chart. Here's a piece of paper with the math and the planetary location. So there is that science side of it. There's also an art side of it, which falls in the interpretation of the chart. Because some of the, you know, the, the uh, symbols can be interpreted in different ways. They can apply to different areas of life. And that's up to the job of the astrologer to really find out and work with the client in, you know, in finding out what does this mean for you right now? What does it portend in the future? You know, what's coming up for you? What's been going on? What is going on?
1: Where did astrology come from? I know it's been around for, like, ever.
2: Ever. Pretty much ever since there were humans. Really? You know.
1: um, They they could look up in
2: the stars. We do know that cultures all over the world, exactly, have been looking to the stars for primarily agrarian societies were the big start of it because you needed to know when to plant, when to harvest, when to move the tribe. And the easiest way to do that in prehistoric times was to look at the sky we know that every time the sun goes to this position in the sky we got to pack up and move or every time that the moon is in this position this is what's going on so it really started you know that way it, pr- pretty much every culture on the planet had some type of sky-based calendar for for timing their cultural you know their cultural events for planting, you know, all the agrarian stuff. So that's sort of where we believe astrology actually started. But as far as historical records are able to be tracked back, we do know, we found, uh, we, like I was there. (laughs) They have found um, the earliest recording of an astrological horoscope, which is actually chiseled into a piece of rock, believe it or not. How Flintstones is this? (laughs) We're looking at, they've carbon dated this piece of rock to 427 B.C., so we know that astrology no was at least being used in terms of omen-based astrology, where you look at a chart and you're trying to, you know, figure out what's going on. What? How does this tie into the human condition? So we know that astrology at least existed as we sort of understand it at that period. So it's at least 2,500 years old. At least. But more
1: than likely, it's a lot older than that because of the Egyptian uh, and other
2: societies exactly. that used it. Right. So a lot of... And most of the history from that part, you know, there's not a lot of written documentation that has survived. Uh, and sadly, there was, from what we understand, a, a great deal of written record in the Greek era, but a lot of those were destroyed you know, between the Greeks and the Romans and they fight, fight, fight. And so right. a lot of that knowledge has been lost, but there is a portion of it that still does exist. But from what we've been able to ascertain historically, astrology as we know it, you know, the omen based astrology really started somewhere in like the Sumeria, Babylonia, Egyptian kind of p- period yeah. and location and sort of spread to different areas of the world from there.
1: Interesting, interesting. When we're going to go ahead and talk to Tracy and Renton, but I want to I want to go on this path because I've got a lot of questions. Okay, sure. But I'm sure Tracy's got a question. Tracy, yes,
3: we do. As a matter of fact. Hi, how are you? Hi,
1: Tracy.
2: Cool. We're great. What's up?
3: All <laughs> right. Um, I've had my chart done, and um, I know it didn't hurt, did it? What? No, it didn't at all. As a matter of fact, um, this was years and years ago at. A little shop in the U District, if it's still there, called Astrology ATEL.
2: Right, it is still there. Well, it's in Wallingford now, but in fact, I'm speaking there on Saturday. (laughs)
3: Okay. Amazing. Yeah. Awesome. Um, So, yeah, I I had my chart done, and I am a 39 year old. I was born February 3rd, 1964. Okay. And I'm an Aquarius, and actually, I'm an Aquarius rising with a moon in Libra.
2: Wow, she knows her chart. Huh?
3: You know your chart.
2: That's amazing. Okay. (laughs)
3: I do, and I kind of have it memorized because. Um,
2: so you've been mooning a Libra. Is that what you said? <laughs> She's talking astrology. Looking enough, I
3: probably
2: And <laughs> Kevin's over here, his eyes are just big. As he's like, what? <laughs> what is she talking about? We'll we'll interpret that for you a little later, You're Kevin. Have to explain <laughs> to me the mooning. We part definitely that. will. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Tracy's been mooning, so. Uh, yeah. um, so no, what's but your? My,
3: my question is, um, with with that information that I gave you, as far as like. Um, my, my rising sign and my moon sign and my sun sign. What um what can you tell me if anything about what the next year or couple of years might have a for me. Oh, is as that,
2: as that all? <laughs> <laughs> is that all? Actually, this is a really good point to to bring up. No, I'm sorry, I missed your Libra sign. I think we were la or your rising sign. Sorry. Yeah, um, I think I, we were talking and I missed that. So what is your rising sign again? Um, I'm a
3: Aquarius and uh, my rising sign is also Aquarius. Oh, okay. And my moon is in Libra. My
2: moon is in Libra. So we have a very airy kind of woman here. Both of those, yes. all three of those signs, or those uh, in your chart, happen to tie into the element of air, which gives her a lot of great uh, intellect, a lot of communication skills. Mm -hmm. Um, But in terms of forecasting, here's what we're going to talk about. Uh, with, based off the information that you've given me, that is not enough information to really talk, to answer your question of looking ahead for a year or two. There's a, oh. gr- there's a great deal of calculation, and unfortunately, my brain cannot do it. Usually, <laughs> in pr- you know, do it on the fly. It's, it's for a client uh, who would come to me and let's say, you, you called me, we set up a session, and it's like, Michael, I want to look at the next year or two. Is it doable with astrology? Absolutely. And it's very easily done. But it does take some preparation. So I would usually work on calculating charts. There's a lot of calculations and formula and math that my brain just simply can't do while we're live on the air. (laughs) So there's usually about anywhere from 30 minutes to two hours, depending on what somebody is looking for, of preparation work, just in calculating all the charts. Wow. So that's one of that. And that's – so it's a really – I'm glad that you called and and brought that up because a lot of people – don't really understand all of the... That's where the math and the science part comes into astrology, because in order to accurately forecast, you know, with a really good, accurate chart, we can say, okay, Tracy, in, you know, September of 2003 or April 14th of 2004, here's going to be what's going on for you. Right. But to do that live on the air, we just don't simply have the time. It would be a lot of really dead (laughs) airspace while I was doing a lot of really boring math. That
3: would be scary. Um Kevin and I kind of
2: think that that probably doesn't make for a very interesting show.
3: No, I imagine not. But
2: and then I it'd do... be all about Tracy anyway.
3: Exactly. <laughs> it would just be about me. Yes. Do you um, happen
2: to know, Tracy, what um, degree your sun or rising sign is at? And I see Kevin, his eyes are going again. So. Um, I'm just kind of glazing over here.
3: I'm try- I don't, not offhand, I don't okay.
2: remember. Reason being, right now, one of the, uh, the planet Neptune is currently going through the sign of Aquarius. So okay. depending on how exactly it is or is not contacting those hot spots, let's call them in your chart, the sun and the rising sign, you may be under a really great Neptunian influence right now. Now oh. Neptune is a fabulous, it can be a fabulous influence to be under. Neptune energy is very creative. It's very uh-huh. inspirational. There's a lot of spiritual, sort of intangible energy under Neptune. Yeah. So some of the things with Neptune, it has the tendency to dissolve things, to take them away. So some of our boundaries kind of go down. Uh, I've seen people who's, you know, they lose their jobs, they lose their relationship, they lose their money. Some of the, the tangible things in our life all of a sudden go away under Neptunian influences.
3: That is very interesting. When did that, when did that start?
2: Oh, well... Gosh, Neptune's been in Aquarius for some time now. And it's, really? it, because it's one of the farther out planets, from our vantage point here on Earth, it seemingly moves very slowly through the sky. Uh-huh. And one of the basic rules of astrology is the slower a planet moves, or the farther away it is from us, the more impact it actually has when it finally makes contact in our chart. Because uh-huh. those are the sorts of events that only happen once in a lifetime, maybe twice.
3: Wow. As opposed to like
2: the moon, you know, the moon goes around the earth every month. So when the moon makes contact, those are the things we're used to because they happen all the time.
3: Exactly. But
2: when these outer planets make a contact in the chart, you can expect something pretty major. Wow. So within Neptune, and again, depending on how exact or inexact that is for you right now, uh, Mm -hmm. there can be very heightened spirituality, very heightened sensitivity. So you may even find yourself responding more sensitively to things that didn't bother you before. That can be anything from light sensitivity, food allergies, pet allergies, to more intuition, you know, higher spiritual bumps. One of the um, difficult energies that sometimes people can experience with Neptune, Neptune energy is also about escape. So it's very easy to find ourselves daydreaming a lot more. We (laughs) sit on the couch a lot more watching TV or reading a book or, you know, getting out of our day-to-day regular life. Okay, And anything that represents that detachment from regular life can fall under a Neptunian influence. So this can even be people who, you know, I'm meditating 85 hours a day. <laughs> or, you know, where we use spiritual connection as an, as a, an escape hatch. Or right. we can use fantasy as an escape hatch. And people can also use uh, other kinds of substances. Drugs and alcohol is also under the guise of Neptune because that Neptunian energy alters our perception of reality
1: so how long is this guy going to be bothering us
3: that's really really interesting that's yeah. interesting now um now so that neptune is going to affect every plant every house that has your um has aquarius in it basically because i think i have um it aquarius in mars as well, in well my let's search.
2: take a look you were february 3rd right yeah let me take a quick look and that is indeed true in fact, uh, let's see, Neptune is very close to your Mars. Mars was at 16 degrees of Aquarius when you right. were born. Neptune is currently at 12 degrees of Aquarius. So as it goes, gets closer and closer to that exact place where Mars is, you may find your energy levels being really erratic. Because, oh. again, Neptune tends to dissolve things away, right? And yeah. Mars is a planet that represents our physical energy. Okay. And so as Neptune gets closer, it can, te- it can typically dissolve that energy. It can make you a little bit more scattered, where you find Ooh. that, you know, I just don't have the gumption to, to keep everything together. I'm losing my focus.
3: Okay. It can
2: be one of the ways that this particular... Um,
3: Actually, have that happen a lot. Yeah. Anyway.
2: <laughs> well, and remember That's almost
3: that, a normal thing in my life. Right.
2: And well, remember at least that, now you've got something to blame it on. Exactly. Yeah,
3: exactly. It's my Mars, Okay. <laughs>
2: That's right. Well, now you know how to use it. And the thing to let you know, Neptune, because it moves so slowly, this particular connection between your Mars and Neptune is going to last. And and this is not to scare you, but just to realize that this sets up a really... Wide window of time where that energy is going to ebb and flow more, like in the next five year period. You know, this mm. now it didn't just start, this has probably started about a year, year and a half ago for you, but it's okay. going to continue in this window of, of uh, kind of this roller coaster of energy for the next, uh, you know, probably three years, three or four years until Neptune completely finishes its connection to Mars. Okay,
3: that's so not basically. even counting
2: what it's doing to your sun and your ascendant. <laughs> okay.
3: Now, so now this roller coaster effect, is it going to be um, just physically, physical, like my own ability to stay focused or, um, you know, like sometimes they'll have the energy to, to get a goal finished or and then sometimes they won't? Is that sort of the scenario that exactly. it might imply? Okay. Exactly.
2: What you'll find is that your energy will start um, getting, you'll have a lot more energy and a lot less energy. There's going to be a more erratic you know, physical energy during this type of what we call a transit. Now, a transit is where a planet is right now in real time, like okay. Neptune. How does it connect into your natal chart? That's called a transit. So oh. during this transit window, you can find that Neptune is going to be messing with your, your physical energy a lot more. So you wow. may find that you have a lot more energy, but you also have a lot less energy.
3: Okay. At, and that's just At Mars any given accident.
2: time. Okay. Right. So you'll but, just find um, that you probably will swing in a wider extreme than you've normally been used to in your life.
3: Wow. So that whole Neptune thing is going to be taking about five years to to, to transit, basically. That's
2: correct, and you're wow. already in it. Okay, so that's okay. the thing to realize is that five year window already started about a year and a half ago. Isn't
3: that something? But because that's it
2: really- lasts for so long, this isn't one of those things where it's like, oh my gosh, you know, tomorrow I'm going to get hit by a bus. It's not one of those <laughs> sorts of things. It's a okay. five year window, so we're setting up. You know, a, so you're, through that whole five years, you're going to have a lot of experiences with wow. this Neptune. One of the other things that it does. Um, that, that I really see strongly just in looking at that connection. Mars is a planet of physical energy, right? He's the god of war. And he's, w- he's where we get assertive. He's where we are asked to really get out and do something, to apply our energy to something physically. Awesome. So when I see a Mars-Neptune connection like you have, one of the things I always tell people is that it's, a t- it's time for you to physically become active in pursuing a spiritual path. Awesome. Okay? It's not about being receptive. It's not about sitting back and meditating. It's not about going into all these little yoga things, because that's receptive energy. Mars is expressive energy. It's get okay. out there and do something. Okay? Wow. Okay. And because Neptune is involved, it's, it's coming through a spiritual channel. So then it is a matter of you getting physical to go do something to pursue spirituality, not sitting back and waiting for spirituality to come find you.
3: Mm. Okay. okay. That makes a lot of sense. It does. Good. Oh, well, thank you so much, Michael. That it's great talking with you. Tracy,
2: thank
1: you for calling.
3: Oh, of course. And I just love your show. I'm just still listening every day.
1: <laughs> oh, thank you very Excellent. much. And I'll have a little announcement for you a little bit later. If you want to get out and really do something, I've got a proposition for you that we'll talk about a little bit later. Cool. So keep on listening. Maybe I think she, she went gone. away. <laughs>
2: yes, she did. So, All right. So now all there's right. a little example. So let's, let's kind we of break that of down. To t- yeah. Yes, we do. So she was mooning Libra. And, and her house is in... And boy, did Libra enjoy it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. So, so, okay, there's a perfect example. Okay. Most people are familiar with what we call their sun sign. All that means is that the, the sign of the zodiac that the sun was in on the day you were born. So somebody comes up to you, you know, at the store or at a club or something. And they say, hey, baby, what's your sign? All that means is the sun was in whatever sign. So what's your sign, Kevin?
1: I'm a Virgo. On, you're a Virgo. Guess what, guess what my birthday so was. So that
2: means that the sun was in the sign of Virgo on the day you were born. That's all that means. Okay. And that's what most people are familiar with. When we start getting into real astrology, we don't use just the sun as the only planet in the solar system, right? right. So the moon is another planet we use, and the moon was somewhere in the zodiac, So maybe, like, you know, your sun is in Virgo, your moon could be in Taurus, your moon could be in air, your moon could be anywhere. We also use Mercury, Venus, Jupiter, Mars, Saturn. We use all the planets in the solar system. Each one of those could be in any one of the 12 signs of the zodiac. So... And each means a different thing. Each means a different thing. And this is why when people say, well, astrology just lumps you into one of 12 groups, that's not true. Each one of us has every single sign of the zodiac somewhere in our charts. So each one of us somewhere in our chart has Virgo. We all have Aries. We all have Scorpio. We all have Libra. And depending on if there are planets in those areas or not, depending on where those areas fall in the chart, those particular signs may be emphasized or de-emphasized. So that's why someone will meet somebody, you know, they'll say, well, I'm a Libra. You don't seem like a Libra. You seem like a Scorpio. Well, maybe that person has a lot of Scorpio emphasis in their chart.
1: No, is that, Does that make sense? For yeah. You? Now, could that be because that their birthday was closer to the cutoff date between the, the two signs?
2: What we call the cusp. The cusp. Very yeah, good. People that are born close to a cusp or close to the changeover date. Uh, or the date of change in our calendar usually falls somewhere around the 20th, 21st, 22nd of each month, the sun will move into a different sign. So people that are born on the cusp, you know, oh, I was born on the cusp between Scorpio and Sag, those people will typically exhibit characteristics of both signs if those characteristics are actually emphasized.
1: And that's why when you look at just a sun sign, like, it means nothing. I'm, I'm right, uh, a Virgo, and Virgos are supposed to be neat freaks and have a particular set. And right, and I you're look, clearly not.
4: Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> look at my car. Look at my house. Um, it's a whole different
2: thing. Right. But that's because of other factors. Correct. So to look at a chart, for, for listeners who maybe have never seen an astrological chart, they don't even know what it looks like. One of the ways that we can help you visualize it, the, the chart itself is circular. So I tell people, imagine the face of a clock, because a clock is a circle broken into 12 different sections. An astrological chart is exactly the same thing. It's a circle broken into 12 different sections. Each section is referred to as a house. Most people have probably heard that term. You know, the third house, the moon is in the seventh house, and Jupiter aligns with Mars, uh, you know, the yeah, age of the Aquarius. The dimension did that. Exactly. Yeah, and yeah. the funny thing is, if you really look at that astrologically, it's not that rare of an event. <laughs> so, you know, big deal. Um, so write a song about it. Uh, but so for you, for that Virgo, depending on which house that, that your son, your Virgo son falls in, may emphasize or de-emphasize the characteristics of that Virgo for you. So even though you are a Virgo, you may not seem like a Virgo because other areas are more active for you. So you may come across differently as maybe a Leo or a Gemini or a Taurus. And without looking at the entire chart, that's what a real astrologer will do is look at the entire chart chart with all of those variables, which is what makes us each individual astrologically. It doesn't lump us into, you know, one of 12 groups. Because
1: then you can really get it down to the day and time of your birth to where all of these factors are are in play. Exactly. Can create a completely different look of who you really are. Exactly. Based upon
2: all that. Based on the time you were born, obviously the date you were born, and the place you were born which is why you can have two people born on exactly the same day. Let's say February 3rd, 1964. Thanks, Tracy, for the date. Um, <laughs> but you can have two people, two, you know, let's say one person was born in Miami on that date, and one person was born in Seattle on that date. The difference in location will significantly alter their astrological charts, which is why when people say, well, you know, I was born on the same day as so-and-so, and, you know, I was born, like, the day after Madonna, okay? And Madonna and I, so not similar, obviously, Right. <laughs> okay. I mean, gra- granted, she's was, she was much older than I am. Uh, yes, but, she, she but is. But as an example, you know, people say, well, well, I was born on the same day as so-and-so. Why are they famous and why am I not? Well, there are so many factors that go into that. Locale, uh, location of birth being one of those.
1: And so it could be changed
2: the entire fact. Change the entire thing.
1: So this has been something that's been going on for thousands of years. Right. And they've been developing it, and it's very old. But who made it up? Where did that come from? Do we, we don't, have we we any don't idea? Know.
2: We really don't know. As far as we can go back historically, we do know that after the agrarian society started, uh, you know, growing into more of a political arena where we started having kings and dukes and lords and all of that stuff that as, as omen-based astrology started coming into practice. So this isn't just looking at the stars to know when to plant your crops. This is looking at the stars saying, oh, when Mars is in this particular place in the sky, that emphasizes that we are going to war. Or when Jupiter is in a certain place in the sky, that symbolizes the birth of a new king. This is the sort of thing that we started seeing develop what we call omen-based astrology, that the location of the planets in the sky actually tied into events here on Earth. Uh, And that's how the astrology that we understand it, you know, started developing. Now, who, again, who exactly developed it? We don't know. We do know that every culture on the planet is somehow, you know, looking at the sky at some point in their development. So I think it was just one of those things that came from a mishmash of everybody's cultures. Now, is it continuing to develop or is it kind of what it is and there it is? No, it is absolutely beginning to develop. For instance, when was Pluto discovered?
1: Oh, good point.
2: People back in the 1700s didn't, although they did suspect that Pluto existed. Isn't that interesting? Astrologers thought years before they found Pluto that Pluto was actually out there somewhere. But some of the outer planets, the planets that are not visible with the naked eye, people in the 1500s had no clue about Neptune, no clue about Uranus. So as new planets and asteroids are discovered, part of the thing of astrology is, is sort of looking at those and going, okay, now how do we incorporate that? Or do we?
1: Interesting. Now, is there like an astrology group that gets together to make these decisions? How does that work? There
2: are organizations all over the world. Uh, Some of them are devoted specifically to research. Uh, Some of them are devoted specifically to historical research. Let's go back as far as we can in history and find out everything we possibly can. There are other groups dedicated to current research, you know, with asteroids and space bodies and deep space stuff being at, discovered all the time. Quite honestly, that's way more than I can deal with. <laughs> it's like you guys go and do that. Let me know what you find. I'm busy. <laughs> when you get back to it, you get, get yeah. back to it. So there are there are lots of areas of study going on with astrology in terms of what is going on with it.
1: Now I'm gonna I'm gonna throw a, a little bit of a wrench in it when cool. we come back. because, it. because I want to talk about if if. You are a certain way based based upon where you were born, the date you were born. Does that mean that you picked that before you got here? We'll be back. All right. We are back with Michael Polson, and he is an astrologer. If you would like to talk to Michael about your stuff you can do that right now, 425-373-5527, or from an outlining area, 888-298-5569. You're listening to The Kevin McDonald Show, positive talk in the afternoon right here on KKNW, 1150 AM. Michael, we went into the break and I wanted to ask you. You are getting your wrench out. <clears throat> yes, I am, because as I understand it, The way astrology works, they can pin you pretty much down to the day, time that you were born, and so forth. Right. And they're pretty accurate with that. Is
2: that not— Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. In fact, there um, is—one of the things that I do, as a matter of fact, and and a lot of astrologers are able to do it for people who don't know their birth time— Maybe it wasn't recorded. Maybe the family didn't pay attention. Maybe the birth certificate is destroyed. There's actually a technique called rectification, which is a big, long word. All that means is we're going to fix your chart. Um, Looking at a list of events in your life, we can actually backtrack your chart to discover the time you were born in order for those events to have happened when they did. You're kidding. (sighs) Isn't that bizarre?
1: (laughs) Does that mean... So,
2: here we go. Yeah. (laughs) I know the next question.
1: Does that mean, because that's, that's a fascinating idea. Right. That... If you were, before you were born, and you set out a life plan to include events, personality traits, things you wanted to accomplish, Mm -hmm. all of those things, that picking the day, the hour, and the place of your birth would be an important piece of that? Absolutely.
2: I I believe that that is true. There are various schools of thought, even even among astrologers. Those that say, oh, you know, you're just born when you're born and there's the chart you get. And this is, but part of that is, you know, when you come into this, there are parts of the chart that we look for uh, or that we examine when I'm preparing to see a client. For example, there are certain things in the chart you look for that show what this person came into this life with. You know, we all show up here with our little toolbox. Now, where do we get, you know, we all have this, we all have this knowledge and we all have these ideas and we all have these feelings, but where did they come from? Because, you know, a lot of those we brought in with us. So certainly before we arrived, I think that we probably did, in fact, choose the date and time and place that we were going to be born in order to do, to live out this chart, to live out the potential that our natal birth chart will show. Now, we get the people that argue and say, well, what about people with induced birth? Or what about people with cesarean section where it's not natural at all? Do we know? I'm not really sure. What I do know is we still run charts for that time of birth. You know, the cesarean section, it's like, okay, the time that that child enters the world is the chart that they're going to live out this world under. Did they choose to do that or not? I don't know if we can answer that.
1: But it would affect.
2: But what I have seen is that people born under that, that condition, let's call it. Yeah. Their chart still plays out just like you would expect it to. And so, so
1: it can be accurate.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. In fact, what normally shows up under things like that, where people have extremely difficult births or maybe there was something unusual, that will actually show up in the chart. Your natal chart will indicate that there might have been some type of uh, trauma or some type of certain environmental conditions surrounding your actual birth. And
1: you can pick that up in a chart that you will make somebody. To, Absolutely. And you can look at it and backtrack it and yes, say... Yes, you can. And say, you... These circumstances are around. What your was Earth.
2: going on around? Yeah, we'll see a lot of sometimes. Well, with Neptune, Neptune again is the planet that rules drugs. If we see Neptune around the area of, of the chart that that talks about the birth moment, like was what was mom on? When you were born, you know, maybe she was on (laughs) any number of things, but there can be indicators. Now, again, this is where, this is one of the things astrology can do well, but it's also one of its shortcomings is because we know that there was some type of, let's use that same analogy, perhaps there was some type of drug involved around the time of your birth, but we have no idea if that was, you know, uh, what is that little spinal cord shot they give you? Epidural? Epidural?
1: Yeah, epidural. We don't
2: know, was it an epidural or was mom strung out on crack? We don't know. We know that there was a drug involved. But, so this is where astrology, this is where the line bec- between fatalism of astrology, do we have a choice, do we have any control, and human free choice, human free agency. This is the line that I think astrology does very well. It shows the condition of any given moment in a person's life, but it's up to us to choose how that condition actually manifests itself.
1: That's an because I, that was short-circuited another question because was gonna I was gonna ask you if your chart is indicative of your life path, then that would eliminate a little bit of free will. Or could you can you defeat your chart?
2: Can you go against it? I don't think you can go against it. I do believe that you have every single choice of how you respond to the events that that your chart indicates are going to happen. For example let's say that there are certain things in life that all of us are going to experience regardless of of what our life path is. We all experience joy. We all experience sorrow. We all experience the death of someone we love. You know, those are just standard human conditions. At one point in our life, we will all do it. The free choice comes into how do we choose to respond to those events? Gotcha. Okay. That's where free choice comes into it. And this is where going back to the very beginning, where you cannot call astrology a science, because by definition, a science, you get the same exact result every single time you do the same thing. Science can never take under consideration free human choice. So in terms of the actual structured definition of science, I don't think astrology will ever fit in, because there's that variable that can never be, you know, scientifically structured. We always have that choice to alter how we respond, and, and sort of alter the path that our chart is going to lead us down.
1: Isn't that interesting? And so it can change, but it's, it's still the same. Now, you've been doing this for how long? Oh,
2: four. I actually counted this before I came on, so I wouldn't <laughs> freeze like this. I believe it's been 13 or 14 years now. And where it's can somebody
1: call you to... Oh, to,
2: thank you. It's welcome. the plug time, yes. Yeah. If you would like more information, you can call me at 206 three two zero one two four nine. You can email me at twister at oz dot net. <laughs> oh yeah. Or you can go to my website w dot Michael That's M I K E L P O U L S E N dot com.
1: And that will get them to you. That and will get you to me. You would like how much advance notice do you need to put the chart together?
2: Oh, usually, right now, uh, appointments are usually available, not same week, but usually a week or two out. So and what information should time. they gather to get to you? To book an appointment, I need your date, place, and exact time of birth. Exact time is very important.
1: Where do you get that?
2: Usually out of family records, birth certificates, hospital records those are really good places to start. Great.
1: We've got a lot to do in the second hour. If you want to give us a call, do it 425-373-5527 or the toll-free number, I'll give you that after the news. We'll be back. All right, we are back for hour number 2, and Michael Polston is going to be here the whole Who? time. Michael, you whatever your name is, Polston would Polson. be that'll work. I'm I'm t- I lost you. You're here somewhere? There here you I are. Uh, Pat, is Pat a relative?
2: No. Oh. But I was asked that once.
1: Were you by some other idiot? By some other,
2: no. (laughs) By somebody on a plane whose uh, departure I was the sole person that made late. I was really popular. Oh, boy.
1: Oh, boy. I've been there. And I've given you that stare as you're going down the aisle. Well,
2: that's how he knew who I was. He's like, are you that Polson guy? They were announcing your name for like 10 minutes. You related to Pat? I was like, oh, kill me now. There's a, there was a near-death experience right there. I need to get to a cave right this moment.
1: Absolutely. I got a couple of pieces of business that we have to clear up, and then we are going to get to the calls, and we are going to talk about astrology for the whole second hour. woo at the PG and Speakeasy Cafe tonight, Kim Miller is doing a forum, and that is in Duval, and it starts at 7 o'clock. It's 15 bucks to get in. Go have dinner. Paula is doing a fabulous dinner beforehand. There'll be specials. There'll be coffee. It's a great it's a great environment up in Duval, so I highly encourage you to go see Kim Miller today, tonight, 7 o'clock, in Duval at the PG Speakeasy Cafe. In addition to that... If you would like to donate some time to the good cause of keeping your friends and me on the air and happy, you can do so. And this is kind of for Tracy in Renton, who is supposed to get out and do something spiritually motivated and get, get on your feet and get, get moving, active. girl. Get active. You can give Darla a call. Darla works with me. At 425-788-3699. That's 425-788-3699. And she will talk to you about how you can help keep Positive Talk in the afternoon positive.
2: In the afternoon. (laughs)
1: Positively still in the afternoon. And not relegated so, to... To midnight positive or... Positive
2: talk at three in the bloody morning.
1: Exactly. Or back on the internet and all that kind of stuff. Because we want to stay here. Yeah, we do. And, and we've got a lot of stuff to contribute yet. So, now, Drew is from Bellevue. And Drew has been hanging around through the break and everything, so... A lot of stuff to contribute. And he must want to talk to Michael. But, Drew, you need to turn your radio down. Awesome. And then... Uh, did you get it, Drew? Yes, it's saw. Awesome. Ah, oh, perfect. And... Here is Michael.
2: Hi, Drew. What, what's up?
4: Hi, Michael. Um, I'm so fascinated by this science and art, and I have a question. If I give you my birth date, um, just whatever you can extract from the ethers about what's up with me.
2: Okay. Let's see how etherish I can go. <laughs> okay. What's your date, Drew? Uh,
4: it's October 23rd. 1949
2: at 12.01 a.m. October 23rd, you say? Yes. Of 49. Correct. Let me turn to the page of the magic book. See, I'm doing it the old-fashioned way on paper. Can you believe it?
1: Yeah. He doesn't have his computer here.
2: That's right. It makes it so much easier. 23rd, you said, Drew? Yes. Okay, thank you. Let me just take a quickie peek here and see what's going on. And, Kevin, you fill up the dead space. Oh, we already got it. You, oh, Drew, you're undergoing some major, major, major transformation, aren't you?
4: It's true, Michael. It's very true.
2: You're undergoing some, some big-time transformation. I'll tell you what's, gonna, what's going to transpire. The reason that I say that, uh, you're getting a visit from our friend Pluto. Pluto who Eric was doing a really great impression of during the break. <laughs> yes, Not the is. Disney dog, Drew. Um, Pluto is the, it being the farthest planet in our solar system from us. It is known astrologically as the planet of transformation. Uh, a lot of easy breezy astrology will relate uh, Pluto and the energy of Pluto to Darth Vader. You remember him from Star Wars? <laughs> That's the one. And the way that we tie this into Darth Vader is because this is the type of transformational energy that comes when Pluto connects into our chart. It's the thing of, you know, how easily did Darth Vader give up on his pursuit of anything? Never. Yeah. We have a saying in astrology, Pluto always wins. (laughs) It's a rule. And, so and the reason that I say that to you is that the things that are changing in your life, when Pluto comes to connect into your chart, it is an extremely transformational time. And mm-hmm. usually the thing that Pluto forces us into, and it's typically, you know, Pluto mythologically is the god of the underworld. So many times a visit from Pluto can feel literally like going to hell. Mm-hmm. Everything goes absolutely rock bottom. We feel that everything we cling to for stability in our life is being taken away from us. Yep. But... The thing to remember with uh, Pluto, not only is he the god of the underworld, but this energy of transformation is much like the phoenix. You know the story of the phoenix, right? Rising mm-hmm. from the ashes? Yeah. The fun part of Pluto is you've got to make the ashes first. So things tend to get a little toasty. <laughs> mm-hmm. But the, the ultimate goal is that it's, it's taking away the things in life that are no longer serving you in order to make room for you to rise from the ashes and create something new. Okay. And remember that Pluto always wins, so what you can do is, is the things in your life that are approaching closure, that are approaching even a death, quote-unquote, you know, the ending and new beginning concept of death, not physical Hug- death. Hugely. But let them go release them because Pluto will win. And all he's asking you to do is come along peacefully. He's, he's like, you know, Joe Friday's like, you're going to come along peacefully or do I have to muss you up? And remember, Pluto always wins. So we can make Pluto connections as difficult and painful as we want them to be, or we can make them as easy as we want them to be.
4: So what I'm hearing you say is <clears throat> Pluto's in charge. Is Pluto on my side? It doesn't feel like it.
2: <laughs> it never does. When Pl- Darth Vader is never on our side. <laughs> um, the thing that I can tell you is after a Plutonian transit, what I, what I tell people, uh, a really good analogy of this transformational energy of Pluto. Pluto takes a long time to change us. Mm. And one of the really good analogies is you've seen pictures of, you know, like the Arches National Park and those gorgeous arches down in the red desert, red rock deserts, mm-hmm. those didn't happen with a flash flood overnight. Mm. Right? Those took a little bit of water, a little bit of water over thousands of years. And it's the same way with a Pluto connection. It's not like one grand event happens that changes us forever. It's that a little bit gets, a, a little bit erodes away, a little bit erodes away. And from day to day, it feels like hell because there's not a lot of stuff changing. Mm-hmm. But at the end of a period of sometimes even several years, You look back over the path that you traveled, and you're amazed at the changes that have taken place, even though you don't notice them on a day-to-day basis.
4: feels like this has been going on a long time. Is this going to go on
2: a lot longer? Let's take a quick look at that for you.
1: So the changes that that you've felt like you've been going through, how long do you think that you feel like you've been going through them?
4: Wow. Well, in one sense, since birth. Uh, in another sense,
2: uh, maybe the last fifteen years. There you go. Years? We're talking a Pluto transit. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um, the nice, oh, the nice thing. I don't know if it's nice. The, the good thing I can tell you is that Pluto, because Pluto does move so slowly, it's one of the planets that we call a generational planet, mm-hmm. meaning that everybody born within you know ten or twelve years of each other will all have Pluto in the same sign. Maybe at different degrees. But what it does is it sort of gives m- misery loves company. So <laughs> people born anywhere near your same date of birth are all undergoing the same effect from Pluto, which is oh. kind of a nice thing. And the thing that I can tell you is that, yes, it does seem to be wrapping up. Uh, the Pluto connection for you, planets – oh, no, here's a whole other hour, Kevin. Um, <laughs> yeah. Planets in their movement as we watch them from our vantage point here on Earth – occasionally we get this weird phenomenon called a retrograde where the planet will actually appear to be going backwards in its orbit because, mm-hmm. you know, we're also moving through space. Mm-hmm. And so what I liken it to is if you're driving a car and you see a bicyclist on the side of the road and you're going to pass the bicyclist, there's that brief moment where right when you pass them, they sort of appear to be going backwards.
4: Mm. Yeah. The
2: same phenomenon occurs astrologically, and so as we watch the planets in the sky, they'll be moving forward, 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 and then all of a sudden they stop and they start moving backward for a little bit, and then they'll stop and move forward again. Pluto is renowned for this, as is Mercury. In fact, all the planets except the moon and the sun. Anyway, point being, the reason that I explain that is that Pluto, for you in your chart, Pluto in real-time motion has been going back and forth and back and forth, and it feels like it sort of, the analogy is it turns you into the speed bump in the parking lot of the supermarket of life, is what it can feel like. Uh It's like, okay, it just ran over me, oh, now it's going into reverse, it's coming back, (laughs) oh, now it's going forward, it's running over me again. And so it can be very, very trying. But again, it's every time that happens, it's another little piece that needs to change, so that the ultimate transformation, which can take years and years in some cases, can actually take place.
1: That could make someone feel like Eeyore. Could you know that dark cloud on the But the other
2: thing with Pluto too, because it's transformational energy, it's about power. Pluto astrologically is our little nuclear power core. Okay, It's where we draw all of our power from. And, and power is such a, a, we use that term all the time. We gave away your power. You, you know, you're asserting your power. But anytime Pluto plugs into our chart, somehow we are being challenged to give up or, or reclaim, in many cases, our power. So we go through these experiences with, with Pluto, experiences of somebody else's power is interfering with mine. I'm giving my power to somebody else. It's, you know, these power struggles, power plays, authority issues. It's usually a time when Pluto comes and says, here's where you need to connect with your power and reclaim it and claim the responsibility for that instead of not.
4: So is there anything in particular, and maybe you just answered this question, that I can do to facilitate most peaceful and effective outcome to this process? It's a huge process.
2: It is. Uh, you'll, you're having some help come up pretty darn soon uh, oh. from Uncle Saturn. <laughs> Saturn is coming to the rescue in a little bit, not quite yet, but, some, but later this year. And so really you, you are in the final phase of this huge transformational thing. And I would, I would actually love to talk to Drew at some point to find out all about this because I'm sure it's very interesting. I mean, people don't go through things like this and come out boring on the other end. They just <laughs> never do. Um, but the reason that I say that Saturn is actually going to be moving into the sign of Cancer uh, a little bit later this year, and that's going to be giving you a lot of support, because Saturn is a planet of structure and manifestation, and when he starts plugging into your chart, that's when we actually see the concrete evidence for all the stuff that's been going on in the background. So the th- the thing that I can tell you in the meantime is to get comfortable with letting things go that don't need to be there anymore. Wow. And when Saturn... Later on in this year, when Saturn kind of comes to your aid, um, and even probably for you more closely around the turn of the year will really when you start to see will be when you start to see the physical manifestations, the proof of what it is you've been going through. Why have I been going through that? Those answers are coming for you.
4: So sort of living on the edge, I can plan on that until the turn of the year. Right. Is that is what I'm hearing you say?
2: Exactly. And just get used to letting go of the things that are no longer serving you. Wow. Because Pluto energy is about taking those away. Now it's sort of like: Are you going to give it over freely and painlessly, or are you going to cling to those things with every fiber until Pluto rips them from your hands?
1: Drew, and let me interject yes, because I'm just I'm just struck.
4: Drew,
1: are, do you like to control? Are you, do you control stuff? Do you like to keep things orderly and in, in control?
4: What I like is um, a relative amount of peace, harmony, and universal.
1: Truth. Could it could it be that part of the lesson for you in this life is to learn to let things go and to go with the flow? Maybe I don't know. This is just the amateur version. Of to,
2: <laughs> yeah, I, he's doing I, intuitive I don't know. astrology over here. I
1: just, just a thought, because there's got to be a reason that you were born when you were born to go through this the way you're going through it. I mean, it's not. I don't think it's happenstance. So maybe it's something that you plan for to learn from.
4: Well, it would be good for me to tune in to the dynamics of whatever that preempting might have been prior to incarnation in this particular earth plane. I suspect.
2: But what yet, you said, but Go. here you are. No, and I, I kind of get what he's talking about. But uh, oh yeah, but here you are. You know, so what oh. is it that you are going to do with it? And it's, it's basically a thing of you're in, you're on the ride. Okay, the seat belt's fastened and the plane is pulled away <laughs> from the gate and so at this tables point, up it's up and locked. Exactly. So it's it really is a matter of having the courage, number one, because Pluto is about fear. And so one of the things is what are the fears that are coming up for you and, and acknowledging them as fear, but allowing them to allowing yourself to move past that and go, you know what, even though I'm afraid of X, whatever. You know, Pluto and the changes that Pluto brings have a lot to do. You know, humans don't like change. We just don't. And Pluto brings out the biggest changes ever for us. And so part of Pluto's job for us is to help us to address our fears. Why is it I'm afraid to change? Why is it I'm afraid to let that thing go? And Pluto's saying, I'm taking it anyway, so get used to it. (laughs) Um, You know, and so we can either then, so let's just think about it in terms of the concept of, of death you know, the ending of something that's no longer serving us. We can sit there and grieve and moan for, forever, for the rest of our life, or we can say, you know what, that experience or that relationship or that whatever uh, served its purpose, and for that I honor it, and now I'm letting it go so I can also move on. And it that's really ultimately what Pluto lessons are about.
4: It feels like there's a level of maturation that is required for me in this process.
2: Oh, you bet. Yeah. Absolutely. And it's about using it's about you getting comfortable with not only getting comfortable with your power, but also learning to apply it and use it in a beneficial way Mm -hmm. and not necessarily even as Kevin alluded to as a in a controlling fashion. Uh huh. Um, you happen to have Pluto in the sign of Leo, and you actually have Mars connected in Leo to that Pluto. So Pluto and Mars is, can sometimes be—you have a couple of different choices in how you express that particular configuration. Mm. This can be the, the uh, steadfast warrior who goes out and fights the good fight for truth, justice, in the American way, and all of the big capital letter, big picture things. It can also be the tyrant— I'm in charge of the, I have the control, I have the power, the Mars is saying, I'm going to make you do this, you know. and we can do this to ourselves, we can do it to the people around us. So it's one of the, you have an extremely strong power center. It's how you're choosing, how you have chosen, and how you continue to choose to use that.
4: So I can either be a monster or a sweet little Buddha, huh? You got it. Oh my.
2: <laughs> Pretty Whoa. much. Choose the Buddha,
1: he's nicer. Yes.
4: <laughs> And I suppose the power is still there with the Buddha, even though it's not quite as overt or measurable necessarily as the
2: monster. It's not as demonstrative, let's put it that way. Isn't that a good (laughs) word? Um, You you want to learn to express it in a beneficial way for you and those around you. Mm -hmm. What that can do, that Pluto-Mars connection that you have in your natal chart can be very intimidating. It can also be very comforting. And it's your choice into how you express that.
4: Well, it, I'm, I'm very impressed with how you've zeroed in on dynamics and sort of confronted any denial I might have had about <laughs> what well, I'm
2: Drew? about on many levels.
1: Well, right. Drew, it sounds to me like you need to write this number down.
2: Michael, how can I get a hold of you? 206 320 1249.
1: And you okay. can get the complete chart done, and you can sit down with we'll Michael and go dig over deep.
2: it. Absolutely. That's two zero six three two zero. Yeah. One two uh-huh. four nine. Thank you so much, Michael. Thank you, <laughs> Drew.
1: Bye-bye. Thank you. Have a great day. Why don't we? I've got so much. The th- stuff came out of that call that we have to talk <laughs> about. But first, let's go ahead and, and take this break, and then we'll be right back. But so are you.
2: Well, thank you, sir.
1: And you're doing a marvelous thing with the things that you do with astrology. So I want to ask some questions about it. Go. There are a lot of people that are say that they are astrologers okay. out there. How does someone pick a good one from a not-so-good one?
2: That's One of the things you want to look for, that's a very good question, shopping for astrologers. You want to, first of all, any astrologer worth their merit is going to take time to interview. You know, if you want to call them and interview them about what it is they do, what to expect, any astrologer that is serious about what they do and good at what they do will do that with no problem. You want to ask them about if they have any kind of certification. There are several different groups that certify, uh, which means that they go through, astrologers will go through a certain training process. They're able to pass competency levels. So even though astrology is not a regulated industry, like we would think other types of, of industries are, there are you know, it's a self-regulated industry, so you can find quality astrologers. Now, that's not to say that if someone is not certified, that they're not a good astrologer. That doesn't Mm -hmm. mean that. But that is one of the ways that you can check. If you're just starting at square one and you're flipping through the yellow pages, that can be pretty intimidating. So I usually say, you know, talk to the person before you go in. A lot of astrologers will, uh, you know, do lectures or public appearances. So it's a really great way to meet them and sort of get uh, the energy from them when you meet them. Uh, Or word of mouth is always fabulous. That's how, uh, you know, I've gotten a lot of my people. Clients tell, oh, I went to see Michael. You've got to go see him and so mm-hmm. on. And they tell two friends and they tell two friends and so on and so on.
1: Do you find that unlike, you know, like Miss Leo or Cleo or whatever she was called. <laughs> Call me now. Uh, yeah. <laughs> are the ethics amongst astrologers very high?
2: Yes, there are. They're are very high ethics. Uh, in fact, there is one of the, the national organizations that has actually put together a list of ethical guidelines uh, for astrologers to follow. And it's pretty, it's pretty impressive in terms of you know, client confidentiality and appropriate client behavior and professional behavior. And I mean, so you want to be able to find an ethical astrologer. Absolutely. And again, a lot of that, an ast- a, a forthcoming astrologer will be very upfront with that. Mm-hmm. I know I, I am with, with my clients. When people call me, it's like, this is what you get.
1: When you go do a reading, then and it takes several hours for you to put a reading together, to right. put a, a chart together, not a reading, uh, a real chart and to Correct. do it, right? Right. So... Given that, what's a reasonable amount? Give me a range of what somebody can expect to pay.
2: I think that most people to see a professional astrologer should expect to pay maybe... Most astrologers will hold a session for either an hour, hour and a half. Some of them will even do a half hour. So again, depending on the time limit, that may affect the pricing as well. So for a half hour, you may find yourself paying 30 or $40. But for a general hour to hour and a half session, which is pretty uh, standard... You will find maybe people starting out in the forty to fifty dollar range if they if they're just starting their practice or if they're just getting you know getting be, just beginning, forty to fifty dollars you can pay all the way up to maybe $200, two hundred two hundred and fifty. Those are going to be your astrologers that are the famous ones. Okay. You know, uh, mostly on average, especially in the northwest, an average price is going to be somewhere around eighty, eighty-five, ninety dollars.
1: And if you have your chart done once, do you need to do it again?
2: Yes, absolutely. And okay. and here's what you can do. The first session, usually the astrologer will do your what's called a natal chart or your birth chart. That gives you information about your personality, your characteristics, your, your personality traits, what are your strengths and talents, what are your challenges, your obstacles just sort of your behavioral makeup, your hardwiring, if you will. Then following uh, appointments, you, you check in. It's just like going back to your dentist every six months. I usually see people every six months or every year, and we just talk about what's going on right now. Astrology, ultimately, if you want to bottom line it, is a study of cycles. And so you want to check in with those cycles and those rhythms in terms of where are you. Are you just at the beginning of something that's going to be pretty transformative? Are you just at the end of it? Uh, where are you on all of those different cycles and what is the timing that's going to, to take place? You know, my, the phrase I use is timing is everything. So people can come to me and we say, oh, it looks like there's this little rocky period, but it's only going to last for three weeks. Or it looks like there's some really great stuff. You've got a super window of five months to really move ahead in, whether it's career, finances, marriage, relationships, what have you. So that's what you can expect from a personal astrological reading. But there's a lot of other services people don't know about that astrology can do, that you don't always have to do, even like we've done here on the show, of really getting into the heavy, deep stuff. Um, Astrology is a fabulous timing device. So I always remind people, if you're making a major decision in your life, if if you're going to plan a wedding, if you're going to open a business, you want to do those sorts of things under an auspicious occasion, right? You want So I help people time. I choose good dates for people. This is a great day for you to get married. This is a great day for you to sell a house or buy a house. So just anything that requires timing or calendar planning. Uh, of course, everybody wants to know about relationships, so we do a lot of compatibility work. You know, if people are interested in a person, oh. it's like you do the two charts together. Where do these people mesh? Where do they not mesh? The big thing with relationship astrology, uh, especially that I'm pretty strong about, is that you can be in any relationship you want. I usually don't see people if they come to me and say, is this the right one or not? It's like, I don't know, that's up to you. What I can tell you is here's going to be the easy stuff and here's going to be the hard stuff. It's up to you to decide if it's worth it. Okay, so that's another way that people can use astrology. There's a a very specialized, several specialized branches. One deals in world events, so looking at politics and wars and things like that, which isn't one that I spend a lot of time with. Um, Financial astrology, predicting the stock market, is actually one of the top uses and top most accepted uses of astrology. You and I need to talk after the show. You got it. Um, And then one that I actually specialize in, which is one of those hard words to say, I hate it. It's called horary astrology, H-O-R-A-R-Y, horary, which means of the hour. This branch of astrology specializes in answering specific questions. So we use it a lot for lost items, missing pets, that sort of thing. When you just have one question, I just need to know the answer to this question. Astrology can help. It doesn't always have to be this big unfolding of the spirit or the personality, although that's what most people find very helpful. There are other things that astrology can be used for as well.
1: So once you find a good astrologer who you mesh with, and you can treat them as an advisor.
2: Absolutely.
1: In all the things, and because you have all the documentation.
2: Forewarned is forearmed. There okay, so if you know that a difficult period is coming up and we can sort of isolate what area what arenas in life that might be showing up in, you get to go in with the information already at hand. You don't you can then become proactive in your own life, starting to prepare and and be ready for things as opposed to being reactive. When something happens and you find yourself in the middle of it and oh no, how am I going to cope with this? You can prepare yourself ahead of time if you know what's coming down the pike.
1: Absolutely. Well, let's find out if Tina from Duval is proactive or reactive. Tina, hi, Kevin. How are you?
5: I'm doing good. How are you? Good, thank you. Good. I'm proactive.
2: Okay, good. That's good to hear, I Tina. <laughs> <laughs> What's up?
5: Hi, Michael. Hello. Um, I had a mini chart done about a month ago, and I gave the person the wrong birth time. And I'm wondering if you can recheck my chart. Um, she told me I was in Neptune which I don't really feel like I am. She told
2: you you were a Neptune? In, <laughs>
5: <laughs> no, in this, Neptune. That like you I were, was having a Neptune transit. You were
2: having a Neptune transit? <laughs> yes. Oh, okay. That which, we can check. Cause just I was like, a Neptune of a good time. Like, you're, you're a Neptune. I can say, no, right now you're not. <laughs>
5: <laughs> Neptune
2: is a planet. But anyway, what's your birth date, hon? It's 12-15-67. 12-15-67. You're just a kid.
5: Yep, just a baby. And, um... Born in Seattle,
2: at eight thirty PM. Okay. Well, we're not going to run the full chart on you, okay. kids, but I'll, I can definitely take a look at what's going on with your Neptune situation okay. right now.
1: Nineteen sixty-seven, Sergeant Pepper came out. I'm sorry. You are ready? <laughs>
2: okay. Good. I'm already ready. Already. Oh wow. I don't have um, to do that. Good. And when did you have this chart done? That you were asking about the little mini reading where yeah, she said you at were the in Women's Neptune of Wisdom Conference, and I
5: think that was in the early march
2: oh so just relative I mean, it wasn't like a year ago no or no like it was that. just
5: about a month and a half ago or so and
2: she said that you were in neptune
5: yeah and we had about five minutes and i told her i was born at 8 30 in the morning which i was wrong i had to check with my mom
2: okay that really wouldn't make a difference okay. in terms of what we're talking about uh, unless nept did she happen to tell you what your rising sign was that she thought it was
5: she did, but I can't remember.
2: Okay, that would be the only factor that may change. The rising sign, which is the sign of the zodiac that was on the eastern horizon at the moment of your birth, okay. i.e. rising, like the sun rises, okay, the zodiac also rises. That sign on the, on the ascendant is what it's called, or the rising sign, changes every two hours. Okay. So if by giving, a miss, uh, by giving wrong birth information, mm-hmm. that would be the one location that may change. And depending on what it actually is correctly, you may or may not be having a Neptune transit there at oh. that place. Everything else in your chart, mm-hmm. uh, given that time, there really is not any connection. There's no Neptune transit hitting anywhere else in your chart. Okay. So unless the ascendant changed because of that birth time, that would be the only possibility. Okay. okay? Yeah, she
5: explained it as being kind of a wishy-washy time and kind of a dreamy?
2: Dreamy, that's, that is very Neptune.
5: Okay. That and is I very d-
2: Neptune, but again, it's not really connecting it to any of your planets right now. Oh. So okay. if it's at that ascendant point, which is um, determined solely by the time of birth and by the correct time of birth, which is why we're always adamant to get that right, um, that would be the only connection, the only possible connection from Neptune for you right now.
5: Okay, and you can't see that
2: not right offhand. Okay. Because I just don't have the time to calculate that. Oh, I
5: see. All right. And so I do have a question. Sure. I am thinking about moving my business out of my home and moving it into a closer location. I'm kind of out in the boonies and um, I want to get closer to town. And I'm thinking about doing it over the summer and being ready in the fall. Is, that, is this? Would that be a good time? If you're moving for it
2: out of your home or into your home?
5: Out of my home. So right now I'm operating out of my home.
2: Okay. And why? What's the impetus for you to want to move?
5: To get closer to customers, and then also have it so it's more customer friendly, where they don't have to come through my house.
2: Is it sort of? A, is it a walk-in business?
5: Well, I teach pottery classes, so I'm teaching classes out of my house, okay. right now, and then I'm also making everything here in my house.
2: Okay. Um, To answer that more specifically, I'd Mm -hmm. love to take a look at your chart. However, I can tell you something in general right now, and we actually mentioned this during Drew's uh, session, is that when uh, Saturn is moving into the sign of Cancer Mm -hmm. later this year, in fact, it's in June, I think is when that happens. Okay. When Saturn moves into Cancer, Cancer is the sign of the home. Okay. Okay. So that would, and Saturn is is about manifestation and it's actually about work. It's where we find ourselves having to work a lot. Okay. So in general, again, this may change a little bit looking at your specific chart, but Mm -hmm. with Saturn moving into the home, I would be, as well as other factors that are going on with the economy and whatnot, I would be a little hesitant to have you increase your business expenses right now. Okay. Okay. And Saturn in the, Saturn in Cancer is actually not bad for home-based businesses. Okay, good. It's bad for hospitality businesses, I'm sorry to say. Mm-hmm. Um, but for home base, I would, I would I'd hold off a little bit on that. Okay. Okay.
5: Awesome.
2: Anything else?
5: That's it. Okay,
2: <laughs> Tina. Okay. Thank you so much Thanks. for calling.
5: Bye. See you tonight, Kevin.
2: See you tonight.
1: And what she's talking about is at Duval. Kim Miller's going to be there
2: had the P and G. Speakeasy Cafe. That's right. At 7 o'clock. While we're doing plugs, I have a plug. (laughs) Yes, please. On Saturday. And I know, and I'm so upset because it's at the same time as that really cool near-death thing. Oh. Uh, But I'll be giving a workshop at Astrology et al. in Wallingford. And uh, this is on Saturday, 1 o'clock, called Get a Real Job. Using astrology (laughs) as a career guide. Looking at your natal chart and what's going on in terms of if you need help with work, that's what we're talking about.
1: How long does it take you to put a chart like that together? Can you do that on the fly, or does you, do you get your computer out and do all that we, stuff?
2: We that's that is some. Uh, we want pretty accurate calculations on that, so we want a full chart because there are several different places in the chart that we look at. So I want to be. Well, I always want to be as specific as I can because that's going to make me more accurate for you.
1: So the idea is to. Let me ask you then. I'm changing my question. Okay. In midstream, you can do if if you. Go to someone on a regular basis as an astrologer. Is there the danger that you could start allowing the, what you're being told to rule you?
2: You get addicted. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. There's always that potentiality, which is one of the reasons that I don't. And most astrologers, again, worth. this is one of those judgment calls that you're making. Many astrologers won't see clients on an ongoing basis like every week. Okay, if you need to see an astrologer every week, you're you're in the wrong practice. You need to be in, you need to be seeing somebody else. Astrology based on timing and events and cycles really is like once or twice a year is plenty of time to see your astrologer. And any astrologer who wants to see you more often, I would be cautious of. Uh, and any any client or you know if someone called me and says I want to come in for weekly checkup, I won't do that. You don't need to. You may need to go see someone else. For you know other types of counseling, but astrology is not the the practice that that would work well with that type of situation.
1: So, in your opinion, if some if an astrologer were to tell any one of our listeners that you need to come see me on a weekly basis, honey, mm-hmm. and we'll work this
2: out and we'll get it done and we'll figure out your life for you, that should be major red flag. Yeah, that's when you go to DEFCON four <laughs> <laughs> um, because not much planetarily changes that much. I mean, even within a month. The only thing that will really change is the sun and the moon and some of the, you know, there's not a lot of major changes even within a month's time. So if someone's saying to come in every week, there's, there's not a reason for that coming from astrology. Mm-hmm. Now, the only, the only caveat to that being, if you are doing something outside of your own natal work, if you're planning a business, if you're opening, you know, planning a wedding, those sorts of things that we talked about, that may require something on a more frequent basis, but that's a standalone thing. Right. It's not ongoing.
1: And it's not something that takes very long to do. No. And, and, and it's something that you can put together. It's, right. that is one of the, the, the important things that I want to make sure that people understand. is Because we're all about self-empowerment. Exactly. And if you give your power away to somebody else because you think they have all your answers, it's like we talk about with a psychic, with mm-hmm. a medium, with anybody who uses intuitive gifts. They help you empower yourself. Exactly. Exactly. If you don't – if you take it and let them have your power, then you've lost it.
2: Then you've lost it.
1: And so you need to be careful about that Mm -hmm. because it's like the lottery sometimes because people can – you know, it's it's really cool when you go – hey, what, what's my chart over there saying? And stuff, right.
2: Well, and that's, you know. and that's why in, in every reading I do, I'm talking to people about here is the productive way you can use this energy. Here's more of a destructive way. I mean, I don't, I even try to get people out of good and bad because those, you know, we take so many judgments on ourselves and we keep imposing them on ourselves. But I do very frequently stress to people, here is your option. Here's, here's the energy you're working with. Here's the tool you have in your hand. What are you going to do with it? Exactly. You know, my job is to help identify what you have. It's one of the... I read just a really great thing yesterday where someone says, you know, you are the captain of the ship and the astrologer is the navigator. The navigator can kind of help steer you through, you know, through the the rough waters, can get you through the safest path, but the captain always calls the shots.
1: Always. And and we can't forget that. That's right. Because sometimes we have a tendency to say, what's going to happen to me now? Yep. And and you don't know because... It's free will.
2: It is free will.
1: You have the I can give you
2: some pretty strong likelihoods, but you always have the option to change your own destiny.
1: we got 15 minutes left. We're going to go into a break in a minute, but what else would you like to make sure that we get out there?
2: Oh, wow. That's kind of an open-ended question. <laughs> <laughs> well, why don't you take a minute, to, take think a minute to think about that? I'll take a minute to think about that.
1: And we're going to go take our break, and we'll be back. We've got a couple of folks on the line, and we'll be right back. Excellent. Welcome back, and we are talking to Michael Polson. Michael Polson is an astrologer, a top-rate astrologer. Michael, how can they get a hold of you?
2: You can call me at 206-320-1249, or you can email me at twister at oz, that's O-Z, dot net. <laughs> I Just love Well, that. you know, Dorothy and Glinda were already taken. I had to do the best <laughs> I could. Twister at Oz.net.
1: <laughs> I just love that. Okay, we got a couple of callers, and then we're going to go through these fairly quickly and because we've got 10 minutes left. So, uh, Lee from Seattle, you're up. Lee?
6: Hi. Hi, Lee. Hi hey, Michael. How are you? Um, fine, thank you. What's up? I'm actually calling about my daughter, who is a senior in high school, is about ready to go off to college. Okay. And um, she's going, uh, we're probably going to accept an offer from Matthew. Boston U, but she wants to go into performing arts, and I'm just wondering if this is the correct path that she, you know, I mean, a good path for her, rather.
2: Right. What is her, do you have her date of birth? Of course you do, because you're the mom. (laughs) 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 May I I have her date of birth, please?
6: (laughs) January 3rd, 1985, and I think it's 5.04 a.m.
2: Five kids are graduating high school already? Oh, my. Yeah. I know. Okay, let me yeah. take a quick look at her planetary lineup and we'll see what's going on.
1: Okay. And... I really need to have that, that music for, for you, but...
2: <laughs> so she, well, you know what? She's pretty much the kind of kid, wow, anything she puts her mind to, she does. Ah. I don't think you have a choice. <laughs> I mean, if it's something she really wants to do, I think that, mm-hmm. that she's going to do it regardless, and so I think that you can either support that or hinder it, and I'm always in favor of supporting it.
6: I'm, I completely want to support her. I just want, you know, it's just sometimes, you know, performing acts like is so hard, and it, it's, you know, been kind of a struggle this way and that way in, in some ways for right. her. So, and and um,
2: I'm sorry, what was her time of birth again? 504. 504 a.m. A.m.? Yes. Okay, so that's, you know, know, she's got so much Earth in her chart that I think, you know, she's got that great Capricorn sun, which Capricorns just, they're tenacious. They set their, you know, they set their mind to something and then she's got a great little Taurus moon to just back it up. Lots of Earth, so very, very practical, very grounded. And and again, it's something that if she wants to do it, she's going to do it. And if she decides that she wants, whatever she decides she wants to do, she will succeed. Is that right? And if she doesn't succeed at it, it's because she's actually changed her mind to do something else.
6: I see. And do you think that going back east instead of going um, maybe to California is a good...
2: Depends on what type of performing art she wants to go into. Does she want to do stage or film?
6: Well, you know, she wants to do film, but it looks like the offers for uh, work, I mean, uh, the school, are coming more from back east.
2: Then Uh, I would... yeah, mm-hmm. I would say probably back East. The one thing that, you're gonna ar- that you find quite often on the West Coast, I mean, of course, I'm such the authority on performing arts, <laughs> um, but sh- unless she wants to get into the studio system of films, which is very, very difficult, I, would, I, you know, I feel stronger towards the East Coast because you're getting a lot more of the independent films coming out of there now.
1: And let me explain mm-hmm. something from, my, from having a performance background. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Theater is an actor's medium. Movies is a director's medium. Learn how to act on stage. You'll always be able to act in movies.
2: That's very Thank good. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you.
1: <laughs> You're welcome. Um, that's, how, that's how you need to be, that's how you need to train yourself theatrically.
2: She, she does have a very, well, there's, there's almost a, a faded destiny point in this for her. Mm-hmm. Pursuing this is going to be good for her on some level. Okay, so whether it's that that faded destiny is that she came in here with this fabulous talent and she's going to rock it to stardom, or whatever that little package of toolbox stuff that she came into this life with, that's one of the ways that she's going to work with those tools, is pursuing this. Okay,
6: and, and I, I missed what you said. Just, did you say that she did come in with a good Yes, um, she
2: did. Well, she came in, level of- what, the, what this experience will give for her is the ability to work through some of that karmic destiny stuff she brought in with her. Regardless of her success, it's something she must do. Got and it? and the reality is it doesn't matter whether she makes a boatload
1: of money or not. No. If she's happy and can fulfill her life destiny.
2: There's just do there's that. some serious growth potential for her in this, regardless of the success point.
1: And, and if she enjoys uh, acting, she can do community theater, and and or she could go on the radio, or she could be a good salesperson, or any of those things in front of people. That training will be perfect for
2: exactly. Right,
6: but Michael, do you think that though that I mean this level, you know, I but I am kind of wondering, would she be successful in this if she pursued it very hard? You know,
2: for that, I would need to look at her entire chart, which we don't have time to to run right now. I see. There, so, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of calculation involved with, with uh, success potential. So I'd really, rather than give you an off-the-cuff answer, I'd really rather look at her full chart when I had time to study it.
1: Lee, I'm going to uh, give okay. you uh, Michael's phone number again before the show ends. So, so if you want to pursue it, that's the best way to do it.
6: Okay, I've already written it down.
1: Thank you, right, Lee. Thank you. We'll Thank be-
6: you, Michael.
1: Have a good one. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna talk to Rose real quick and I'd also like to welcome Katie Evans to the studio.
6: Hello everybody. How you doing? Hi, Katie. Okay, Michael. We're gonna talk about hypnosis in my show. But first, uh, Leo, Leo
2: Moon, Sag Rising. Oh, I love you.
6: Thank you. I love you too. <laughs>
2: <laughs> we got a fire chick over here.
6: Yes, triple fire sign. Yes. What do you
2: hang on Rose, don't hang up. <laughs> Yeah, but see, I can talk to you afterwards. Oh, no, because you're on the air. I'm on the air, um, six minutes after. Yeah, lots of lots of fire stuff going on. It's it's actually a very favorable time for a lot of the, lots of transformation. Again, this Pluto Huge. thing that I was talking about with Drew, yeah. it's plugging into not only, well, it's plugging into a lot of places for you. It's plugging into your Pluto, it's plugging into your sun, it's plugging into your moon, it's plugging into your ascendant. <laughs> Everywhere in fire in your chart, since you have so much fire, Woo-hoo. tons of power, tons of transformation. It's, it's a rocket ship right now for you. It, it really is. It feels like it.
6: Yeah. Thank you, and stay tuned at six minutes after two We'll be talking about hypnosis with Lisa Krunic and uh, all kinds of fun ways to get healthy and get fit.
2: Great, Thanks, Rose. Kevin,
6: thank you, Michael. That is
1: a light up show. And Rose, welcome to the show.
6: Hi.
2: Hi, Rose. What can I do for you?
6: Um, well, I wanted to give you my uh, birth date and time. It's December nineteenth, nineteen fifty-three, at one fifty-nine
2: p.m. Okay. One second while I grab that. December 19th, 53.
1: Now, Rose, did you recently find out what, the, what time exactly you were born? Have you always
2: known that?
6: Uh, I've No, I've known that because I've had a couple of charts done over the
2: years. Okay. And, and what is it you'd like to know?
6: Um, well, I'm presently in a relationship with a tourist. Okay. And I wanted to know um, about cohabitating rather than keeping our separate space and the summer
2: for a time of that. Okay. One of the big things for you, how are you with that? Uh, th- the one question I would ask you is, it's got a lot to do with your Mars. Uh-huh. Okay, that Mars energy, which can be very territorial. You've got, uh, you've got that Mars very close to the Scorpio cusp. So a lot of what's coming in here is that Mars and Scorpio is very, um, they're, very opening, they're very open and welcoming, but very suspicious. Mm-hmm. Okay, so one of the things for you, this has nothing to do with, with the other person, mm-hmm. how are you with yourself in opening up that territory?
6: My home.
2: Right. Mm-hmm. If that's mm-hmm. where the cohabitation is going to take place, it's it's mm-hmm. a little bit of that territorialism, and is this person, are, they, are you honestly going to be open and welcoming, or are you always going to be on a little bit of an alert, waiting for that, you know, that... That uh, reason to strike <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> how we want you know there, there's a little bit of that defensiveness that comes with the territory with the Mars and scorpio they're very uh, they can be very, very opening and very welcoming, but you don't ever want to screw with them <laughs> so so for me, the biggest challenge I see for you is just being able to be open and allowing that to happen freely
6: mm-hmm. do you think it'll be better to be in a neutral space then than to?
2: Probably. Probably, Uh although that territorialism will always follow you, it's up to you to choose whether or not you're going to let those defenses down or not. Uh I think it may be easier up front, you know, in a neutral space because you don't have all of that investment there. Uh But a neutral space eventually will become your space as well. Uh Right?
6: Even with the
2: Taurus. Well, you know, it's a nice balance, which I'm, I'm glad to see that at least there is that that Uh balance because Taurus and Scorpio do balance each other very well. So Uh but that would be a whole compatibility thing that I'd want to look at both of your charts to see more information about that. But but just looking at your information here, Uh that's the one of the big keys for you is are you open and comfortable with allowing that to happen? Okay.
1: Rose, thank you so much for calling. We gotta go. Michael, thank you for being here. Kevin,
2: a pleasure. Thank you so much. Really
1: enjoyed it. Again. How do people get a hold of you?
2: 206-320-1249, twister at oz.net by email. And, of course, Conscious Talk every Sunday night, 8 to 10 p.m. here on KKNW. We'll be moving 6 to 8 p.m. starting in May.
1: Wow. Yeah. Okay, we want to get that out, so that's going to be 6 to 8 p.m. I've had a great time, and you need to come back on this show. I would love to, anytime. And and, uh, it's just been marvelous. So... (laughs) You'll have to do my chart before we you get out of here, but uh, thank you again. Katie Evans is next on Lighten Up. Kim Miller tonight at the P&G Cafe in Duval. Be there. I may be there if my water heater holds up, which we, we have to talk about. But you have a great afternoon, and thank you. Tomorrow, we have, we're going to talk to Beverly Ingalls about sexual abuse. We'll talk to you later. Take care.